This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Scott. And we're going to talk and about. I strive to be lawful good. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about Three Hearts and Three Lions by Paul Anderson. This is uh, first published as a, a novelette, novella, in uh, fantasy and science fiction September and October, I believe, 1953. Uh, and then uh, expanded into a novel in 1961. And it's uh, mentioned explicitly, I believe, in Appendix N, uh, in the back of yes. the Dungeon Master's Guide, the original big hardcover, um, along with the uh, whole... Why I went to, which, which is why I read it. <laughs> uh, when, did, when did you first read it? Early 80s. Okay. This, ga- this garish oh. co- cover, well, blue sky, white, blue, white fluffy clouds, and Holger in this red armor that's not actually in the book. Mm. You know. So, is this book the source of the alignment stuff in D and D? Indeed, um, it is indeed. Okay, that's why. At I least said that. it's at least it's it's in one aspect. There's two sort of axes on the alignment on Dungeons and Dragons. One is the chaos and order, aka lawful and uh, chaotic, um, and then there's the neutral good and neutral evil and neutral. Uh, Neutral, too neutral. Mm. So then, gotcha. the uh, you can be what lawful good, lawful evil, lawful neutral, or chaotic evil, chaotic good, chaotic neutral, or you but can be here, those neutral, uh, true neutral, or neutral good or neutral I, I, I mean, evil. That, this this, I mean, this setup lawful chaos and neutral is really the and not having the goods or evils. It's basically the early D and D basic alignment yes. system. So yes, so th- that's where they got this. From. Yeah, that's they clearly stole this from. That's cool. So in that, um, also, that also Morcock, obviously. So in D and D, is there is there an implication of like uh, this is some kind of a cosmic battle going on yeah. between chaos yeah. and um, order? Yeah, in, in, in the original versions of D and D, not so much. But then it kind of came to be more as especially started. Gygax started drawing and stuff like the Moorcock and stuff. It became like this more titanic sort of uh, struggle against the forces of law and chaos. So I would say Anderson and Moorcock together were what kind of made D&D into that. Interesting. So I want to point out that this is um, this is why I, I had a huge pro Like, of all the problems I had with Dungeons & Dragons, uh, and there weren't that many, this was the big, looming, massive huge, uh, unstoppable, understandable problem. And I understand it now. It's ideology. (laughs) So in this book, there is uh, a war between the baddies and the goodies, right? Uh, (laughs) Yes. The the lawful forces and the forces of discord, right? And that's not our reality, which is why... I I think it was implying that it was our, it is our reality, right? Yes. So this is like between chaos and order. I don't know that I got good and evil. No, no, the, the, I felt it was it, like chaos and order. It is chaos and order. There's not good and right. evil. I mean, 
generally chaos is quote unquote mapped as evil and mm-hmm. laws mapped as good, but those are very imprecise. And wh- right. wh- wh- where does our swan may fit in that? She's not Christian, clearly, because uh-huh. she's yeah. used, she's using the swan thing, but she's not evil either. But she's not really neutral because she's really she really she's working with Holger and 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 the and the rest. So. So even even within this book, which sets up this whole law versus chaos thing, there's nuance and there's lots of gray, and I love that. It's like yeah. well, he's not that, that, this- that's that's how I felt about it. It wasn't it wasn't you know these are good and these are evil. It was this is law and this is chaos. And then I I think the the framing story was trying to bring home that he was dealing with the same forces in both those worlds. Yes. Yep. And yep, the Nazis playing, are chaos playing and the, the lawful good role in both places. Yes. Right. Hence, he, he, he's a paladin. Um, a yeah. paladin. That's exactly he, right. He, he even said exactly that. He's exactly a paladin. <laughs> I so, loved, uh, that was pretty cool. I, yeah, I don't have a problem with it in this book. What I had a problem with it was in within Dungeons and Dragons. So, uh, P- Dungeon Masters would say things like, um, you can't have this alignment with that alignment in the same party. It won't last. Right? <laughs> and everybody has to pick an alignment. Thought, yeah. See, and I haven't played a ton of D&D, but, um, but I thought it was like, here is an item that can only be used by a lawful good. Or That's right. Like that. there's, there's a lot of that, too. Okay. But- but Jesse's talking about like, oh yeah, you have your neutral evil thief and your lawful good paladin. That's, that's right. They can't be in a, the same party. Well, <laughs> they they can, but if they're playing to their alignments and archetypes, there's going to be definite friction and problems between those two characters. Yeah, they won't be playing the they won't be playing the module. They'll be they'll just be fighting. <laughs> they'll well, be or they'll be interacting. It doesn't have to, have to be same difference. Drunk, but but some of that, some of that role play can be deliciously great, especially. I I agree. You, I mean, I'm just I, I, saying. I mean, especially when you have a paladin as one of the characters, because paladins paladins being so often being sticks in the mud. Hi, I'm playing a paladin currently in a game. <laughs> it, 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 it can work well with characters who are much more flexible in their morals. So and a good a good role player takes that to heart and and plays that part. Right, and, and, right? and it makes a great role playing rather than it being a source of endless conflict and fighting. It it gets to be dr- character drama and decide well, well, how do we handle this? Do we okay? We have a we ha- we have this trial prisoner. Do we kill him? The answer is the pilot says no. You don't just kill unarmed prisoners. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone with flexible morals might just want to have them off. But on the other hand, if they're working for the enemy the paladin is pledged against, then the paladin has a much more has a bigger problem. And in, case, in that case, the paladin may sometimes want to kill something that others don't want to deal with, but because it's against the enemy of his god. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm drawing I'm drawing from my role playing experiences that mm. have actually happened to me. Like these these conflicts are great character draw. I I, I think that they can be, but what I found is. They were an impediment to the things that I cared about in Dungeons and Dragons, which and is what's that? the adventure and the swashbuckling. Oh, okay. So, so, so you weren't, you're not as interested in character dramas and conflicts as in swashbuckling adventure. Indeed. And so, I so wanted to get into the module yeah. and not spend a lot of time, you know, role playing. <laughs> okay. Then that, and that's fair. In that case, then the alignment system is definitely an impediment to your 
to the way you like to play Dungeons and Dragons, but, and that's but that's it, fine. It was so codified. So uh, fun too. Yeah, it was so codified. At the, I mean, today people are they constantly say it on Twitter and all over the place. Um, they say, you know, the rules are there to be discarded, <laughs> right? So if you don't like a rule or you don't want to have a role go this way, the dungeon master has no requirement to play by those rules. The rules are there to help you. That's what they say. But back in the early eighties, late seventies, that's not, uh, what the modules were pushing. It, no, definitely not. And there, and there was definitely like, this is the one true way you do it this way. And yeah. And the thing is, is it is, it does play up a lot of drama. Um, and it plays up a lot of situations, but I found that it, it, it's like, it's kind of a meta game. So you can take the alignment system out of, out of the game and try and apply it to other things like human beings. So you point to some figure in the world that everybody knows and like, you know, a, a movie character or something. Kaiser Soze <laughs> or whatever, right? And you say Captain this. Captain America, right? Oh, there you go. What is he? Yeah. It's clear, right? Isn't he lawful good, right? Of course he's lawful good, right? And then you can f- f- uh, think of Iron Man. He's obviously not lawful good, but he's definitely mm-hmm. good, right? What about yeah, Spider-Man? Right. Oh, he's chaotic good. Or is he? No, he's not. Maybe he's neutral good. Oh, no, no, he's not neutral good. He's he's just plain good. Right? And we get into this stupid argument about like classifying <laughs> everybody in the world. And the reality is everything is way more complicated than that. Everything. And you can't reduce anything down to just neutral good or lawful good. It's it, the nine different possibilities are not enough to cover reality. And there's memes where they get a bunch of, uh, you know, characters that you recognize, like from Star Trek or something. You put Odo in the top left-hand corner, and he's <laughs> lawful good, but he's grumpy, mm-hmm. right? And then the bottom right-hand corner is, I don't know, Garrick or something. Well, probably not. Um, <laughs> Gal Dukat, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, obviously... Depending on the episode, sometimes Quark is neutral good, or sometimes he's uh, true neutral. Or he says he is, but Rom is is definitely on the good end, right? And then mm. we're arguing not about about what what the their actions are as much as about what constitutes these things. And that's where I have a serious problem. So that's a grievance I have against Gary Gygax for sort of doing that as an overlay, especially in, as uh, Paul points out, on advanced Dungeons and Dragons, as opposed to the original, just right, the basic neutral. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or even before it has that, you know, just the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the blue wizard answer. box guy. Gosh, that. Um, so, so, so despite its, its appearance on the Appendix N list, um, Paul Anderson did not write it for this purpose, right? No, it's way, it way no, precedes no. Dungeons yeah, and Dragons. I mean, it was not, it was not, um, Dungeons and Dragons didn't exist at the time. That's right. So one thing that, uh, I actually don't know enough about is this whole matter of France, um, mythology, um, that he was playing with in this. I oh, thought yeah, that Char- was fascinating yeah, stuff. And the, and yeah. Roland, it, I, I had known yeah. a little bit about this when I had read this because I had gotten lucky and read, had gotten a mythology book 
in the early 80s, which started off with classical Greek and Roman, then went to Norse, and then went to basically Charlemagne and Roland and that whole cycle. So when when I read this book, I suddenly said, oh my God, they're doing the matter of France. So in the September 1953 issue of Fantasy and Science Fiction, uh, there's a little editorial introduction. Um, uh, this is by, by Anthony Boucher, me thinks. Um, policies are made to be broken when circumstances demand. For a long time, we intended to publish no serials in FNSF, but then Paula Anderson sent us a story whose length was too great for one issue and whose rejection was unthinkable. So here begins our first serial, and we'll be curious to hear what you think of the story itself and of the new policy. If you're in agreement, we'll do our best to bring you soon other outstanding long stories. More and more editors and critics are dropping the undefinable distinction between science fiction and fantasy and referring simply to, quote-unquote, science fantasy. And the chief reason for this is not so much a literary as a purely scientific one. Scientific thinking is itself breaking down any conceivable arbitrary distinction between, quote, the possible and, quote, the impossible. And some of the most stimulating modern science fantasy is written, as Graf Conklin so ably showed in his recent science fiction adventures and dimension, in the borderlands created by advanced mathematical and physical thought and concerning alternative universes, parallel variants, space-time, continua. Mr. Anderson has invented one of the most fascinating such variants we have ever read, and he used it as the setting for a splendidly stirring piece of sheer storytelling. When it comes to the purely irresistible impetus of adventure, complete with damsels both pleasing and perilous, and armed combat combats worthy of great folk epic, will you ever forget the Battle of the Vault in the Vault of Time? Mr. Anderson is our nomination for the mantle of Ryder Haggard. And we doubt if he's ever proved that claim more enchantingly than in this story. Hmm. Well, so, so Jesse, have you read uh, The Incomplete Enchanter? No. No, I haven't. Uh, that's Fletcher Pratt and Elspring the Camp. Scott, have you? No, I have not. Okay, so mm-hmm. this this is the this is the book that I wanted to talk about in relation to this one because it's 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 earlier, I believe it's late forties, but it's kind of similar in where the the main character who and his friend his friend is a mathematician who who basically figures out how to travel between universes, which which predates Number of the Beast by forty years or so, but he's kind of like a swordsman all around guy, so they wind up first in a world near kind of like Ragnarok and later wind up uh, in a world very similar to um, the matter of uh, Charlemagne and Roland, actually. So so at one point they have to basically break into a castle that's actually in the Roland epic. And and then he runs into a Muslim and they mishear his name from Harold Che as Harold Ashe. So he's like, why do you why do you have a Muslim title? And he starts making up bullshit to try to get past this Muslim uh, knight. So, so mm. I, I I'm pretty sure Paul Anderson also read the Incomplete Enchanter. Was thinking like, hmm, traveling between worlds mm-hmm. and taking mm-hmm. taking taking from uh, matters. I could do that. And so, but it's a much more martial focus because the whole mathematics mathematics of magic and the Incomplete Enchanter is them trying to learn how to do magic by means of mathematics, even though there's a little sword play. But whereas this is much more martial, paladin-focused, not 
spellcasting. So it's a different kind of heroism. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Her- I mean, Harold, 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 Harold uh, Shea is not the fighter that uh, Ogre the J- Dane is, and Ogre the Dane is never <laughs> going to cast a spell in his life. He's just going to draw a sword and run at things. Well, he does do those um, those uh, riddles, right? He, do- he, do- he does do the riddling game, but he's... He's almost like Superman in the sense that he's very vulnerable to magic and chaos when he lets his guard down. Again and again, Morgan Le Fay, the nymph. He so he's got he's got an inter- he's interesting. Pl- he's, he's played to be that way. The the outer narrator. Um, this is this is kind of why this book is I think interesting on a level that I don't I don't think it's that great a book actually. <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, and the reason I think that is because it feels like a grab bag of of uh, different adventures. It, uh, it, 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 it is very it is episodic. Yeah, but the, the, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to the the order of the episodes either. It's just so a great example is just I really was re-listening to the opening, and uh, all of the creatures that appear to him or he hears in the woods just after he arrives in our fantasy world there's a bear doesn't play a role there's a lion oh that's on his shield right doesn't play a role there's an owl right so basically this is this is material to furnish uh and show us where he is and it's very cozy but it doesn't play a role and and that's that's the part that i'm like eh, it's okay what i would go to though is the outer narrator who we see bookends the story, right? Is he supposed to be Paul Anderson? I think he is. That's the way I'm reading him. I mean, it's 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 possible it's doing it's doing the same thing as say uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and that he's telling the story. Yeah, he's telling the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now uh, there's a very similar story that was also serialized in FNSF later, obviously, because this is the first serial in FNSF. Um, okay. that's, we've read and I think we can agree is pretty much the same idea as a different spin. Um, but that's Glory Road by Robert Heinlein. Yep. Glory Road is in that tradition where he has a scientific mindset dealing with a fantasy world, like, like, how, like how he deals with Igly, for example, mm-hmm. the ogre and basically and there's smashing a dwarf. Him into himself. There's a dwarf, there's a dwarf and there's a lady princess who needs, to be rescued, right? Except she doesn't really. And, oh. and it has a frame, although the frame is all first person. Instead of starting off, uh, as a World War II guy who's transported to a fairy realm, he starts off as a Vietnam War era guy and is transported to a fairy realm. He answers an ad in the newspaper. So it's more, it's more playfully, uh, comic. Um, but I think it sounds like that, uh, Fletcher, was it Fletcher Pratt, the uh, when you were uh, the incomplete? Yeah, Fletcher Pratt, Strike the Cap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that one also happy. sounds like it's pretty funny. This one, I think, yeah. has funny stuff in it, but it isn't a a humor piece, right? No, it's not. No, no. Def- def- and the definitely. portal, the portal aspect, I I think is fun. Um, he gets conked on the head. Um, in this case, uh, was it a bullet, or something? Um. But in the uh, original, as mentioned, uh, Mark Twain 
Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. He goes to a visit a uh, uh, museum in England and gets hit on the head with some piece of armor or something, and then <laughs> wakes up in medieval England and then has his adventure. That that one's a more of a satire. And here, I don't feel like I I feel like it's just a romp, a fan a fantasy romp in the in the sense of fantasy romps. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do I just not like fantasy? Is that my problem? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm romping around and I like all the details, but I don't feel like there's, it's just a romp. It, it feels so much like a Dungeons and Dragons adventure, uh, unstructured, not like a, you know, uh, a novel, but like a, a romp. And I'm, I'm yeah, like, I like sure Paul Anderson's writing sometimes and then I don't mm-hmm. like it. And I'm thinking, Anytime he does science fiction, you know, planet stories or whatever, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But here I'm like, okay, I see he's referencing this. Like, did you guys notice the the name Graustark was in here? Yes. Yeah, he, he's stealing from Prisoner of Zenda. I, I was delighted. That, that's a, a, a ripoff of another Graus, uh, another Zenda ripoff. But yes. Uh, I think that that's what he's doing here is exactly what you're describing. Right. Um, is he's it's just a, he's playing around. I guess you know a romp is a great idea, but yeah, he's just uh, playing around. He's pulling from all these different sources, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a quest, right? The guy is just trying to get back home, you know, like uh, Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah, like <laughs> you know? Wizard of Oz. I, right. And I want, right, and I want to before we go further, I want to correct because I didn't remember because it's been a long time since I actually read the matter of Charlemagne. I was wrong, Scott. Okay. From the Wikipedia article about Morgan Le Fay, in the Legends of Charlemagne, she is associated with the Danish legendary hero Ogre the Dane. Following his initial epics, when he's 100 years old, the fairy queen Morgan restores him to his youthful form, but removes his memory, then takes him to Avalon. So it is actually in the matter of France that she and Ogier Ogier hook up. So he, was, gotcha. he, didn't, so he didn't make that up himself. He stole that, too. I didn't realize so, that she was in the matter of Charlemagne, but apparently she is. So it's a crossover episode in the it's matters a, of, <laughs> of Britain and and France. And yes, I love it. Yeah, I wanted How to spend cool more. I wanted to spend more time with the Dane uh, before he gets transformed because, like him bicycling around Europe, that that sounded interesting. I, I wanted. There's to, a, there's, there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a. I was thinking I was just in the opening, like there's a, probably a whole novel. Of him in World War II adventures before he gets transported over to this world that you could that you could possibly write. But why? Why did he? Weird. Why did he get transported? Is my question. Why? What? The, yeah, it, it, it was, I, it, I could it, answer that if you can. Please go ahead, go ahead Scott. I well, think. I, I think that the idea is is that it's this chaos versus law, mm-hmm. and he is a force for law in all the worlds, right? So he's. He's just playing his role. He's doing his thing in two different places. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so the cosmic. So it's like balance. a cosmic, exactly a cosmic. Yeah, I mean, he hits. He had, he had saved. He had saved Niels Bohr. Now he's needed in his original world because, as it pointed out, chaos is getting ready to go to war. So they need they need Ogre the Hero again. So Ogre the Hero shows up. I mean, I I think Morgan Le Fay. Because Morgan Fay even herself is, says she's surprised to see him, so she didn't do it. She sent him back to our world. She didn't pull him back because she's as surprised as anyone that he's shown up again. So, I think it, I think yeah. it's the forces of law or oh God, because Christianity is apparently real and true in this world. Has it's like I I need the hero again. 
Ogre, you're coming back and you're going to save the world. You guys both listened to the audiobook? Yeah. Yes. And he was fantastic. I think. Marcel Pinchot. You know, and he's I, a, I he's got a, a great a range. Paperback. Yeah, I have a paperback. And reading it, I think it would be a slog, you know, because he wrote it, you know, not unlike um, Mark Twain would write, um, like Huckleberry Finn or something with, you know, putting the accent in the text, mm. you know, so Bronson Pinchot was not making up those accents. He was, no, I don't he was reading, reading the it, words yeah. as written in mm. the thing, which is, could be a slog if you're reading it. Well, he's, um, he's a very talented reader. Yeah. I right. started, I started off thinking his accent was, uh, Danish, I guess, right? When he's reading our hero. But as time went on, <laughs> I felt the drift. And I thought he was, it was like an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Honest, yeah. and, <laughs> and the thing is, is it was the dumb, the dumb Swede, right? The dumb, uh, Dang. big, <laughs> oh, I get, Swedes a day, you'll get in trouble. I get it, but I'm talking about a stereotype. The dumb mm-hmm. Scandinavian big guy doesn't know much, but he, he pumps you up like McBain, you know, like, <laughs> Um, the thing is, is that, that style of character is actually, it's based in something. So in, I, I read that introduction by Anthony Boucher and he talks about, uh, Anderson is our nomination for the mantle of Ryder Haggard. So I've been, I've been trying to read more Ryder Haggard. One of the books I've read of his uh, that I was thinking we should do a show on. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, was ring, uh, I was gonna say ring of bright water. That's not right, but it is. Um, uh, Eric Bright Eyes. And it's about, uh, it's about a Viking going on a quest and there's a wizard and she's a witch and there's, he goes and does stuff. And the point of the story is, um, he's really dumb. <laughs> like, he's just, he's, he's a muscle man and he's very straightforward. And he has adventures and the ladies think he's sexy, right? And I'm like, well, uh, yes, that's kind of how, like, he just goes with everything that sort of happens. And I'm like, no, don't go, don't go that direction. Be a sophisticate. And, uh, that's, that's why I'm like, oh, I needed more, like a little something more. And, and yeah, I like these, these portals, portal fantasy stories. And one of the ones I, I just think is, absolutely terrific um is uh a show called elven quest it's a uh comedy long very long running uh for the uk it's got three series of audio drama um they're 24 minutes long and it's it's it starts in a bookshop where a one of these fantasy authors is writing a uh, has just finished his you know eighth book in a s- series and he's uh got customers lined up for he just gives a, a a reading from the book and it sounds terrible it sounds like a terrible fantasy book and he's got contempt for his audience <laughs> and they ask him questions saying you know in book six of you say an ogre smells bad but everybody knows they have no sense of smell and he says look it's just a book <laughs> or something like that and then uh out of a portal an elf a uh dwarf and a um a warrior amazon princess uh you know step out and get in line to get their book signed and uh well that's what he thinks anyways and he's like yeah, you're not even in one of the characters in my book 
pathetic. <laughs> nice point it is. And then he sees the ladies very sexy. So he starts hitting on her. And they're saying, yes, we're here to, to, uh, to get the chosen one. And he says, who's that? Uh, or he says, oh, that's me. And he says, no, it's your dog. And the dog's there. Right? And they try and steal his dog, go through the portal. And when they get through the portal, um, he, he's been brought with because he refused to let go of his dog. It's his only companion, his only friend. Um, his dog has been transformed into a human. Um, and he's sort of along for the ride. And they go on an elven quest to find the magic sword. And it's all about the stereotypes of all of these things. And it's super funny because we all know these stereotypes. They're just everywhere. You know, the fantasy enchanted forest that has a silly name. <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, uh, trolls work the same way in our world as they do in that world. You know, they make fun of you. <laughs> Everything is about the tropes. And I'm like, this is wonderful. I, I just, I spent, I want to have 10 more series just like this because it's just so delightful. They go on the quest and things go wrong. And then we see it from the evil point of view. There's the antagonist who he's, he's, he's definitely evil, but he's, you know, we have to work together. So he's like, you know, goes to this striking, uh, salt mining, slaves and he says what are your grievances <laughs> wow <laughs> and and the, you know it plays up the uh the wonderful things you can do in audio with characters saying things and then you understand you know oh he's got your eyes well at least one of them's your eyes the other two don't look <laughs> so it play it plays perfectly now why is it i've got a a problem enjoying this book as much as i want to and I don't have a, uh, that one is just delightful. I think it's because this one is like, it's the er version of that. It's so, that's so much playing with the tropes that I'm just enjoying the experience of the tropes. If you played it as a straight up story, if you made me read that, that, uh, author's works, <laughs> I would say, no, thank you. I don't want to read a series like that. But if you make it a comedy, I'm like, oh, wonderful. It's something to chew on. So I didn't feel like uh, the jokes here are amazing, right? It's, it's humorous, but it's not, it's not a comedy. It's, it's, it's not a comedy in the same way that Glory Road or Incomplete Enchanter or this Elven Quest. And Jesse, you sold me on it. I had one audible credit left for this month, and I just bought Elven Quest. Uh, did you get all three series? Here and now. It, it comes with it comes it comes with the entire set of series. Oh, it's wonderful! Yeah, cool. cool. So, yeah, so, I definitely got to give that a listen too. Yeah, because it's it sounds absolutely wonderful. Might be a great way to spend <coughs> endless miles driving is to listen to this thing. So, uh, I would point out um, that the main actor on that show, I think he, I'm pretty sure he's the guy who plays the main character on the. Um, Douglas Adams TV show. What was it that was out recently? Dirk Gently. Yeah, Dirk Gently. I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. Stephen, uh, Stephen Man Ryan, Mangan. Maybe. Mangan. Maybe. Um, Anyways, he he's he's very Stephen funny. Stephen Mangan. Yeah. Yeah, he's a narrator. Yeah, he's apparently narrated other stuff too. Oh, is he a narrator as well? Okay. Yeah. So looking on Audible, yeah, he's he's done some narration for other things. So. Oh, he would be very good. That he's, is only that is only sense. gig. 
great sense of timing and um that's a great great series um yeah so i i, I don't know i i like this but i'm i kept comparing it to to uh glory road which i just i just much prefer i i'm not sure why yeah, but we've argued about some of the some of some of the problems with glory road in our glory road episode i mean this one yeah, you, this you, does have does this have problematic stuff? Paul, I'm not sensitive enough to notice. It's it's, it's, not, it's not so much. I mean, at least Eleanor does things and is competent. And is not is a she de- the swan maiden? Is yeah, that the swan maiden? That's the swan maiden. So right. she's. I mean, I mean that the whole bit of the cat fighting between her and Morgan Le Fay and that elvish <laughs> princess at one point kind of maybe go, huh? but it's brief <laughs> and. We're off on another rub real quick. So, I mean, this sure this is episodic and you didn't like it. It is very episodic because we get, oh, here he is meeting the witch. And, oh, he is here at the Elven Court. And, oh, oh, he is here with the Nixie. And, oh, he is, he's he's finding the giant. And, oh, oh, now they're going to fight a troll. And every D&D player but in, in the history of Dungeons & Dragons will curse this book because trolls and their regeneration and comes from this book and mm. how difficult it is to kill a trolls because they, because Guy X read this book and thought that would be cool. Well, I was Tolkien. thinking of Tolkien, hey, Tolkien's, uh, scenes with, I mean, isn't that where we're yeah, getting well, with you, the you, Hobbit? That, that, that's where the, that's where the petrification comes from. But yeah. the whole troll resistance to damage and regeneration and only being able to kill by fire comes from this book when yeah. they're fighting the troll in the cavern. I never fought a troll, I guess. so dangerous. Why trolls are so dangerous? It's like, yeah, because yeah, if you don't have fire or acid handy, they just keep coming at you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, You know, the the comedy aspect is not uh, high here. No, it's not. It's entertaining. It's entertaining for yeah, sure. But it's entertaining, and I think in the exact way that you're saying, I don't know that it's any more than what you're saying, um, that it is, you know, him reaching out for all these, you know, various things. It's like, okay, well, let's get us a character that's in the matter of France, and it's real, and um, let me just pull in everything I can think of. You yeah, know, it's like, got the wild hunt. I think, he's, I think he's having a very good time himself. It, I mean, it doesn't have some of that, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fatalistic pessimism and sadness that you find in some other Paul Anderson work, like say The Broken Sword, for example, which which has a very elegant sort of feeling and ending of the passing away of fate. I like this more than The Broken Sword. Magic going away. This is much more. I would see the opposite. I liked this less than The Broken Sword. This is much more comic and upbeat, whereas The Broken Sword is much more contemplative and. Like the the magic goes away in the mm-hmm. Nibbin sense sort of a world, whereas this is much more. Well, the magic is not going away. It's just ogre, o- ogre the Dane is in this world, but he's going to come back to ours because our world's going to need him. But that's not presented as a tragedy. That's more presented as like triumphant. Like yes, the hero will return, which is very Arthurian from under the hill again sort of thing. You got, do so, you guys notice the? I mean, there's so many things to notice, I guess, but. One of them was um, Bertrand Russell's uh, called out in here, and um, yes, that was a random. That was rather random. Well, I, I, he's using it. Um, I'm trying. It's logical positivism. Um, so logical positive positivism is, was a movement, and Bertrand Russell sort of the the guy 
behind it. And he uses it kind of like a way of saying, yeah, this is real, guys. This is possible. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, the problem with logical positivism is it's a massive failure. As mo- most things in philosophy are massive failures, right? We have some idea and we try and work it out. And then, oh, it's not very good. But it's interesting in this way. Logical positivism positivism is a you know late 19th century early 20th century ma- major failure i'm pretty sure it's by the time this book gets published it's it's a massive failure <laughs> um but we still study it right we stu- uh, philosophy is the study of failures right um in a sense history is the study of failures um but I'm like, he's reaching. <laughs> he's reaching all over the place <laughs> in a way that Dunsany doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and what do you think that he was saying about, you know, at the very end, he made a point that um, our hero went Catholic. Yeah. He yes. went to Catholic Church. I, what do you think the point of pointing that out is? Um, <sighs> that, that he realized that he's basically... Well, he's first picking of all, a that team. Christianity is the true religion mm-hmm. and that it is real. God is real. And he's basically embracing in our world the role he has in that world because in that world he basically has to be Catholic. He's a paladin. So he's basically embodying himself in our world the way he does mm-hmm. in that world. He's mm-hmm. basically making himself more of that sort of hero of God, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Sort but, of uh, assuming a, a medieval role in a way in this world. But also. Yeah. Teaming, oh, it's the team order, right? Mm-hmm. As um, opposed yep. to chaos, right? If you mm-hmm. if you are one of one of the breakaway ones, or you start your own religion, <laughs> or what, or you don't believe in anything at all, that's that doesn't follow up. So right, because he says he's basically almost like agnostic at the beginning in our world, and so but he he, he believes in like beer. The, <laughs> he yeah, believes in in skull. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, what brings that up is you know Bertrand Russell was not a religious guy. No, you know, so no, so it's like this this character is he's he's talking about all kinds of things, and you're right, it's kind of all over. Yeah, and I I don't feel like like most of the time when I'm reading Paul Anderson, I don't feel like he's crafting as much as he's he's spinning, um, mm-hmm. but. How do you mean? Well, like, I don't know. Uh, he, Bert, oh, I was going to say Bertrand Russell. Um, Paul Anderson wrote a ton, right? Um, he didn't write, you know, just one book like Tolkien, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> right? Tolkien write, wrote like some children's books for his kids. And then he spent the rest of his life basically working on a project. Um, oh, and, you know, did some translations. But basically, there's just one book and it's Lord of the Rings. Um, so it's not, these books aren't crafted as much as they are a product of craft. They're spun up. And so when I, I'm think I was comparing this to, um, uh, a recent Paul Anderson planet stories we did that had, uh, you know, a, a, a guy going in to fight chaos I was like, why did I like that way way more than I like this? And I, it might be just the length that mm-hmm. that in trying to make it novel length, he's just adding more adventures. 
And I, that, I, well, that goes back to the whole episodic thing. Like, yeah, I'm not even sure they're episodes. I mean, certainly they are they, 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 episodes. They, 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 there's the werewolf, like, and there's the witch, and there's the, you know, there's this the Nixie, and, and he collects and he collects a crew, and and the the crew is there to like see. That might be where it's problematic, Paul. The crew are like the dwarf just shows up because he's got to show up. And the lady shows up and she's like, I'm with you now. And he's like, okay, yeah, 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 that could yeah, be yeah, all yeah, right with me. For being with them are kind of thin on the ground. It's true. Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, the, he does kind of point at it like because he says at one point, well, you – I don't – because when he's going to go into the alpha, like, well, you guys don't have to go with me. You've done your job. And then they say, no, we're still – so he kind of tries to get rid of them, and they say, "No, we're with you." And then they stay with him, and then he and then he gets the Muslim knight to come. Yeah. Oh, he's actually Christian now. He gets he gets he gets the Saracen knight to come with him too. So he is he's collecting an adventuring party. Papillon shows up in the middle of a field, right beside a naked guy, full full of armor. Like I thought I was going to get a payoff for this, and the payoff is. Hey, look at this. <laughs> he sort of throws in a bunch of stuff and like, hmm. Um, and it, it isn't like a sa- like it, when you read Mark Twain's Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, it, if you think of the setup, it's like, oh, this is interesting. He's going to get roasted alive for being a wit, wizard. What's he doing? <laughs> he absolutely transforms the reality there, right? So it, it, he turns it into a 19th century, uh, Capitalism. <laughs> the setup. It's ridiculous. Um, and then when he gets unconked on the head or wakes up, everything's back to normal and nothing's changed, right? <laughs> so it's a sad yeah, time. What's really disappointing me about King Arthur's Court at the time is like, you, 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 you're missing the opportunity here. You, you change reality and everything just goes back to status quo ante? Like, what the heck, Mark Twain? No, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, and here, it's it's like okay. I, I want to know what the analog for Papillon is. I, I was like trying to work it out. I spent all this mental energy saying, okay. Every time he comes up with an explanation, you know, maybe my mind was transferred into the body of another guy who is kind of like me. Stop doing the stop doing I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> reading this book and hearing what is being said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I no, think... Bad, Jesse, bad. No. <laughs> this is what my... I'm like, what is the explanation? The explanation is magic. <laughs> Interesting. I'm like, no, you, did, you didn't give it to me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I got the goods. And, 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 I appreciated that it was not just a uh, secondary world fantasy. I, I liked the, the ingress into it. I thought that was interesting, but I don't feel like he had worked it out in a way that was enough to justify anything. And hmm. I, I, I like it, it. It's almost like imagine if we were playing Dungeons and Dragons and I say, okay, Scott, you're sitting at your, your table there. And here's your dice. And then I say, now, imagine, Scott, I conk you on the head. And you say, what? <laughs> I said, no, no, not your character. You. You've got that character sheet in front of me. Now you're in the world. And you say, okay, mm-hmm. why, why do I need this? Why do I need this entrance into this world? Why don't you just plop me in there? 
I want to be, I want to have that stuff pay off in a way, like mm-hmm. a meta way. And it does, I, he comes back and he becomes a Catholic. Okay. <laughs> God is, God is real and he's an instrument of God. Jo- mm-hmm. um, that's speaking of conking on the head and winding up in a, in a fantasy world. Um, have you ever read Joel Rosenberg's Garden, Guardians of the Flame, Jesse? Oh, Scott? I've never even heard of it. No, I haven't heard of that. Okay, so basically, it's an '80s book, and it's basically the classic. The dungeon master is runs a game for his students, but it's actually he's actually managed to create this world, and he's created a portal to this world, but he can't go into himself. So he basically sends his players into the world bodily to get this artifact for him, so that he can come through into the world. I'm spoiling it, but Jesse doesn't care, and, <laughs> and basically be the ruler of that world. But they get, so they wind up in the world in the bodies of their characters going what the bleep and they decide to at the end of the first book like no we're not gonna have to bring the dreadmask masters through to become the emperor of this world the heck with that but unfortunately that also means that they're stuck in this world and stuck with its problems and the <laughs> innate the, the innate issues that the dungeon master has created when creating this world and they decide no we're gonna stay in this world and fix it rather than laying the dungeon master through and rule it as an evil tyrant so that that reminds me very much of the uh, opening sequence and I guess the first episode of the Dungeons and Dragons animated TV show, where, <laughs> where they go on a uh, I don't know a amusement era. park ride, and yeah, in order to introduce the uh, the watchership of the sh- of the show to the concept of Dungeons and Dragons, we have human beings who are from our world transformed into a cavalier and he doesn't have a weapon but he has a shield and i'm a wizard now i know spells i guess <laughs> poor presto could never pull anything out of the hat to save his life though right and i, I felt bad for presto because it, and the explanation the is there to set it up but it doesn't pay off in any particularly good way we just get hey look there's tiamat okay right <laughs> and i i'm like well, why don't I don't know. I, I, I just, why don't we just go straight in it? But here it's because it Dungeons and Dragons hasn't even been invented yet, right? This is way before that. Yeah. But, uh, when you read, um, H. Ryder Haggard's, uh, Eric Bright Eyes, it just reads as a, as like a novel version of a, of a lost, uh, Scandinavian epic, right? There's no, you know, mm-hmm. I found this document inside a, bottle under a rock in the field it's just it's just here's eric bright eyes and and it's it's sort of it's i tried or haggard writing in that vein and it's fun but in this one where boucher's saying he's the new h rider haggard um he has the the meta set up and um if if you're selling it to fnsf he he threw in a lot of Quasi science, right? Uh, or scientific, or yeah. scientific viewpoint and explanation for events. Yeah. yeah. But in a way, Dungeons and Dragons is kind of exactly what this book is. It's sort of just a grab bag of different, different, uh, ideas taken from, you know, Vancy and Magic is brought in and that's, you know, fully developed. And then, so in reading that, book the appendix n jeffro johnson thing um i noticed 
I noticed like, oh, this is, this is finally the explanation for why I, I couldn't understand and why the ideology of, <laughs> of alignment was so troublesome for me is it's because if we impose this on the system, right? You, you look at Darth Vader, right? Oh, he's clearly evil, right? But is he lawful evil, neutral evil, or chaotic evil? What's the answer, Paul? He's lawful evil. Okay. Now, who's a, a chaotic evil character in this Star Wars universe? There's so many characters, right? Um, Would that be Jabba the Hutt? Jabba the Hutt, definitely, because, I mean, I mean, he's not interested in law. He's just interested in his own personal power and influence. And what about so, Anakin Skywalker when he's little boy? Is he is he lawful? He's evil? neutral. No, he's oh, not, he's neutral. He's, not, well, he's neutral. I thought he was good. I thought he was a hero uh, in the first say, one. I wouldn't call him good. I mean, he does not. I mean, in the first one when he's a little kid, he's not good. Hmm? Per se. he's just a kid. I mean, okay. I mean, can, 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 can kids have alignment? Mean, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like age age of maturity, age of reason. Uh-huh. That's, that's a very Catholic thing that. God knows. It's like they, yeah. they don't have enough reason yet to be able to be given an alignment. As soon as you, as soon as you're 18, they <laughs> get your alignment. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's not quite. Suddenly, happening. they hand you a piece of paper. What? A neutral evil? I never <laughs> saw that coming. Yeah, you've been assigned to neutral evil. Want <laughs> <laughs> to go play with those kids? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Suddenly, we know what's gone wrong with the world. <laughs> Somebody printed too many of one type. Yeah. I would explain yeah. a lot, but no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, 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 the problem I, I had was like, I, I intimately knew there was something wrong with this system. Um, and like when he, one of the explanations we get as to why, uh, Olger, well, how do we say his name? Holger? Holger. Olger. <laughs> how he got um he, he's standing there in front of this horse with the its name conveniently placed on that um on it uh, papillon um and it's got like a bunch of sh- stuff in the saddlebags and and the explanation for why he it was okay for him to rifle through that was um he wasn't the most law abiding type as a kid or in his earlier days and so that's the explanation of why it was okay. That's his own personal explanation, but the in-game... Actually, in-game no, it's not his personal explanation. It's the outer narrator's explanation. Right. And but it's, it's really his stuff to begin with, so he's he's, he's really rifling his own stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. and God has provided. God and, will provide. So I, I kept thinking... You know, like, that's, that's, go for it, Paul. Oh, Scott. Sorry. No, I was just... You know, I got Star Wars in my head now. Yeah, um, I know, you know right? The last, the last three movies... This whole idea of the balance right. was prevalent, right? The fact that you'd have somebody from the dark side arise and, like magic, someone from the light side to would rise up to confront, right? So it was like the universe. To me, it was implying that the universe kind of just comes up with that. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it, it, I think it's Maz in the in the first of the new movies that says basically says that as much like yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. How it was how it's a work. meta it's a meta flaw right so yeah uh, right from the beginning as soon as we get uh obi-wan kenobi spinning up a bunch of lies about what jedis are and what you know 
what's going on, who Luke's father is and all this stuff. Um, he's actually, this is just George Lucas saying, I need a, I need a setting, a story, etc. Um, Ming the Merciless, I'm not allowed to use that one. So here's what I'm gonna, do. there's gonna be a baddie over there, and then there's, there's a character is a good over here, and then there's a roguish guy who's, uh, Han Solo, who's uh, neutral, neutral good. <laughs> the princess, she's a, <laughs> right. So he's got this stuff going, and then they turn it into a series, and as soon as that happens, they have to sort of explain, oh, see, uh, when, Obi-Wan was lying to you. I was doing it for a good reason. <laughs> and then they talk about all oh, that, all that stuff. Fucking Yoda on Dagobah. I hate that stuff where he just gives these like, I don't know, Zen cones that are like yeah. awful. The, the platitudes that don't really. Yeah. Don't go into that cave. Don't it. save your friends. Um, and it's like, no, this is just bad writing. On this part, what they stay for. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and then, you know, so this new series, JJ Abrams or whoever's running it, they're saying, you know, that stuff was stupid. I'm going to tear it all down. <laughs> and then they say, okay, the way we're going to do this is we're going to abandon the alignment system. <laughs> and the problem with that is it's, it's so meta. <laughs> it's like the reason stuff uh, uh, a hero will rise over here and that is is because we needed to okay to have a film what do you want me to do i'm the writer you ask me to write i'm writing <laughs> i have to have the conflict therefore i have to have these two things and so instead of having a conflict of good versus evil like they're supposedly having in the first three star wars movies or the second three star wars movies they're they're saying the conflict is now the alignment system itself. We need to bust this. We need to break this terrible dynamic. I'm like, okay, but I just didn't want any Star Wars anymore anyway, so never mind. <laughs> it was broken from the beginning. And so that's why I like thinking about fantasy, Fafford and the Grey Mauser, right? What is their mm-hmm. alignment? They're thieves. They're thieves. Are they they're evil best, thieves? Uh, well, no, that, that's the funny thing. According to the original D&D modules back in the day, which had back from the Grey Mouse. Yeah, there's a whole I think they did it. Ju- I think they did it just because they, wa- they weren't characters playing evil characters. They basically had a neutral good, and neutral good was the only good alignment that thieves could be. And they, back from the Grey Mouse, were neutral good. But reading the stories, I thought, they're not neutral good. They're <laughs> neutral at best. Maybe... I maybe maybe Fafford's lawfulish neutral, uh, what's, but not neutral. Good, no Paul, way. Paul, what's the what's the <laughs> what's the range of alignment characters you've ever played in Dungeons and Dragons? Me, yeah. um, lawful good, lawful neutral, neutral good, chaotic good. Wow, chaotic good. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I, I played a number of chaotic good fighters. Right. So and, lawful, uh, and lawful, and chaotic. But always, well, uh, oh no! I, yeah, lawful I, I, neutral. I've ne- I've never played any evil or any chaotic neutral characters. I'll tell you, I've never played any character who wasn't neutral, <laughs> or or you know some kind of neutral, or uh, maybe chaotic good. And I I was thinking like, do people do, are there actual human beings who you want want to spend time with who play lawful evil characters? Um, that want to spend time with probably not. Right. So what? What is the point of this alignment system? Well, what? What is the? the I, I, 
Um, well, also you can tear it all down. <laughs> tear it all. I mean, down. I, I, mean, I mean, you could also. I mean, it's also for NPCs as well. But I remember. Yeah. I forgot what version of Dungeons and Dragons is. Mine in four, where they even reduced the number of alignments down to to just a few. I mean, I I don't know if it was four years old. Maybe it was one of the Pathfinders. They basically had basically like waffle it, good. It's just broken. Good. It's just broken. If we go to Ivanhoe and we talk about the characters in Ivanhoe, right? Ivanhoe's dad is not evil. Ivanhoe's not evil. Uh, Gerd or whoever this this swineherd's not evil. Um, there's a guy who wants to roast a Jew alive. I would say he's pretty evil, right? Um, what about the Normans? Uh, you know, or Robin Hood? Robin Hood's in there. He's Robin not Hood's evil. Chaotic good. He, he, that's that's usually the way we think about it, right? That's, but actually, what is he? He's fighting for is the restoration of law under Richard the Third, as opposed to well, under but, his but, evil but brother. He's, but he's, He's fighting an he's fighting an evil law, which makes him chaotic. <laughs> I, 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 no, no, the, the sheriff and King John are waffle evil. I mean, the, the, the sheriff uses uses the law and tyranny to bad ends, which makes him and King John lawful evil. So, yeah. Robin Hood, fighting the law. I think this alignment system alignment system should be like confined to lawyers' offices, right? Like. Oh, uh, which which lawyer are we going to go to? We're going to go to the lawful lawful uh, lawyer, the neutral lawyer, or the evil lawyer? No, no. But, but I'm going back to the Duke's history. The, the Duke boys are chaotic good because while while they are evil as fuck, pardon my language. Wow. The, the uh, um, boss hog and and uh, and and uh, Sheriff Coltrane. Okay, Enos is not Enos. Is just those dumb. are the forces oh, of law. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those are the forces of law. Right, and they're evil because they use the law for evil ends. They keep uh-huh. trying to steal Jesse's farm and and embezzling money and doing all these bad things through through by using the law for evil ends. That's lawful evil in a nutshell. So the Duke boys are they want to steal Daisy Duke's the cutoffs. <laughs> so stupid. Um, what about what about uh, you know the, 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 the Duke's What the about the the top of their car? That's evil, right? That what. <laughs> I didn't really. I mean, that was that's. I mean, yeah, using the using the federal for their for their uh, oh chaos. God. Yeah, these days that's not so great. I didn't realize at the time. Now you I know, realize it, it, that's okay. It's spending any t- and what he does. We we're in a half chivalric, you know, medieval Europe and a half uh, fantasy uh, secondary world, right? Um and. Uh, when we think about, uh, oh, the knights and chivalry and stuff like that, what knights really are are guys who are like they're samurais, right? They're, they swear to a liege lord. They get to have a sword. They go around doing what the liege lord wants. And then they get to have like, uh, I mean, they're very egoistic. They've got their whole family symbol. What the one he's oh, used, the, crust, the one he used on his fake one was an uprooted tree from Ivanhoe. Again, a book's explicitly called out, right? Um, right. and that's fun. It's all very fun. But if you look at what knights actually are, they're, they're more like samurai. They're not friendly guys going around saving ladies. The word villain means surf, right? We're taking the sides of the, of the elites. They say, I killed the villain. <laughs> Why? Oh, he's starving to death in the forest and he'd been outlawed. 
and it's allowed to be killed. They're allowed to be killed because they're robbing people on the road. Wow. Nice. Good job. You know, from the back of your horse. So it, that, that's basically my problem. I think is ultimately there's something wrong. I, I thought I liked fantasy, but ultimately I think it's dangerous. Like it, it's, it, it sort of gets you on the wrong side. Because he's in a fantasy world and he doesn't have an allegiance to a particular lord in this world, where did that horse come from? It just appeared. Right? He didn't have God to. God brought him the horse. God brought him his horse back. It's his horse. <laughs> yeah. Hence God his. Hence his conversion to uh, Catholicism. God gave when him the horse. When he comes back to our world, yes, absolutely. He's realized that God is real. God exists in the universe, and he's a force for a God. So I guess. Yes, that's why he- I guess when that happens to me, I'll, I might have to make the decision then. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine winding winding up and just turning your some character from the French uh, matter of France, and I'm breaking my brain thinking about that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that's that uh, oh, the super fantasy element of it, right? And the escapist element. Yes. Yeah, because what he was what he was doing, as you were pointing out, Paul, what he was doing. Uh, with his own story in his own life was interesting enough and that yet we leave it and come back to uh, a fantasy world and then when he comes back to the realities the book the book's essentially over just he he uh well but but he does he does look like he's look like he's trying to find a way back because he realizes that's his original world that's where his heart is mm. Yeah, because I mean, they point out, like, oh, he's looking through grimoires and stuff, and he's like, "I'm going to get back, and I'm not, I don't need Morgan Le Fay to do it." Um, I, I believe this character is also shouted out in uh, the Number of the Beast uh, by Heinlein. Is um, Ogre show? I have not yeah. read that one. Oh, it's it's a book. <laughs> it, 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 it's a book, and the the alternate version is also a book. Oh, yeah, did you review that yet? I did not write. I, I don't think I actually wrote a. Actual you were talk, I was listening to a, a podcast we recorded seven months ago for show noting, and you were yeah. talking about about. Uh, oh yeah. Your difficulties in wanting to talk about it. Um, yes, it, 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 it's. What's got it called? The Pankara? Something about Pankara? Yeah, the pursuit of the Pankara. It's the got pursuit problems. of the Pankara. Yeah. It's got giant problems. I mean, so basically, basically, Scott, what that book is, it's like this book, except way longer. Um, and all science fiction is in it. Um, and fantasy too, but all science fiction, all, all of his characters are in it. Every uh, version of Dante's Inferno, they go every, they, they go to what, 999 worlds or 666 worlds? I can't remember. Six to the six to the sixth worlds. Yeah. Uh, parallel universes and uh now, 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 it's it's now got actual, fun stuff in it but it's not really a good book the the the, the pankara version spends a lot more time a on mars which really is barsoom because remember in number of the beast i know scott's gonna be bored for saying remember number of the beast they it is barsoom but they just see this weird english russian war but it's really barsoom that they're just being mind controlled mm. in pankara it really is barsoom and they wander around Barsoom for a while, and they spent a lot of time in Oz as well, and also a heck of a lot of time in and uh, Doc Smith's Galactic Patrols. Right. So, so there's a, 
it's a book. It's, like it's, like it's a meta book. Books. Yeah, it's 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 very big. Uh, <laughs> I, I would not recommend it as your first timeline book if somebody wants to sit down and um, it, read it. It, it was funny go that, with like, Glory it was, Road or it was, like, it was like my third or fourth half spacesuit will travel. No, actually, it was my second timeline book. Correction. <laughs> So yeah, that was not. That was not that, that's the book that broke you. <laughs> now you have to read all those books that are in it, right? So Jesse, have have we read yet a Paul Anderson that you've liked? Oh yeah, I, I, um, but I'm thinking they're like the science fiction ones, you know. Uh huh. He, um, he wants more science fiction. Starship mean, was okay. More. We did mm-hmm. that not that long ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm trying to remember the Planet Stories one. Uh, Paul, you should remember this one. Um, it's about a baron sitting on a conquered planet, and he gets called off to f- go fight a bunch of... Uh, go into the Dark Nebula or something. Oh, right. Um, crap. Did you... While he's looking that up, did yeah. you like the... Uh... The generation ship story where they got out of hand and yeah went Taz, uh, far, far, far. Yeah, that's it. That was interesting. Yeah, I like that story. Uh, Sargasso Lost Starships is the one I was thinking of. Sargasso Lost Starships. We also did Flight to Forever. Yeah, and that's see. We, Flight also, did, to, we also did Brainwave. But Flight Come to uh, Flight to Forever is is like really good science fiction, right? It's time travel, good idea. Brainwave is also and um, Scott, we did that. Brainwave, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot about that one. High Crusade, Jesus, that's awesome. That was oh, the, the High one. Crusade, yeah. That was that, the first one we did. That's uh, fantastic. It is. It's really fun. <laughs> what a great book that is. Funny yeah. and fun. So, 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 so apparently if we want Jesse to do more Pool Anderson, we have to find a non-series science fiction Pool Anderson. Yeah. For him. But, um, especially, you know, just a fun, a fun idea story so, that's not too long. So a fun story that's not too long. Oh, they should exist. Idea, sure. st- uh, you missed the important part. Idea story. I know. I know what you like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, We're I just, on to you, Jesse. We're on. I should hope by now. Uh-huh. I mean, Virgin Planet is not going to work. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not public domain. It's a, which is a which is a pity because I have a song. No, I wanted board. to read that. I mean, I mean, women warriors riding terror birds is fun. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> terror birds. Terror birds. Terror birds. Scott, if you haven't <laughs> read, if you haven't read Virgin Planet, yes, yes, has terror birds on it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, what the heck? Um. Oh. That's fantasy. You wouldn't want that. It's not public domain. I, yeah, the public domain thing also makes it, makes it difficult. No, there's lots on Livervox, I think. Uh, Paul Anderson. Maybe. Possibly. No, Never know. Not Paula. Just regular Paul. Uh, the chapter ends. Uh, Duel on Certus. Oh, that one's a bunch of them. The Golden Slave. Inside I don't think I've ever Earth, read that one. What's Lord of a Thousand oh, Suns. Gold Slave is a quasi-historical fantasy. Out of the Iron Womb. <laughs> Security. I, I, I haven't read that one. The um, Sensitive Man. Sentiment Inc. Snowball. Starship. We just did that one. Swordsman of Lost Terra. That sounds good. Swordsman of Lost Terra. Um, 
Burning Bridge. I've already podcast that one. The Valor of Capinvara and Tiger by the Tail. The funny thing about Capinvara is he took that story and then he basically reworked it a bit and stuck it into Thieves' World. Uh-huh. Well, Steve, yeah, I like, like Thieves' he, World. He retrofitted it into the Thieves' World universe. I like Thieves' World. Um, you know what? Swordsman of Lost Terror sounds interesting. And uh, Inside Earth is only two hours long. The story takes place in a not-so-distant future. Earth has been conquered and is su- a subjugated planet. The much-too-humanoid new rulers now extract have heavy taxes, control industry and reproduction, and interfere in every aspect of life. Rumors of their brutality and vicious massacres increase every day. Obviously, they must be thrown out and a rebellion seize among the patriots. But on the other hand, others are not so eager to get rid of the overlords. The terrible nationalistic wars have been stopped. Famine is long gone, and healthcare is almost universally available. <laughs> Still, the elite intellectual portion of the Earth's population plot to remove the heavy heel of the oppressors from the next and let Earth be free again. But time and again, the attempts for freedoms have been crushed by the Valgolians, mainly because national, ethnic, religious, and racial prejudice and hatred among Earthlings keeps the conspirators from working together. Obviously, no conqueror wants his subjects to revolt against his rule. Obviously, this one would go to any lengths to start a rebellion. Let's do it. Put it on the schedule. Wow. All right. <laughs> that was easy enough. Sign me up. Send. Yeah. All right. Phil Chenever. Um... Let me see what where it's published. Yeah, what's the sound? Yeah. So, what's the name of the story again? It's called Inside Earth. Inside Earth. And it was published in Galaxy, on the cover. There it is. Nice. Um. The bio first sentence. The biotechnicians had been very thorough. All right. Well, the next open spot on the schedule is in August. August. That's still summer, Scott. Does that mean you're still on the Sunday schedule? I should be good, yep. All right, so let's see what the first Sunday is. Okay, now I'm going to be gone uh, August 9th. So, yeah, that should work. First Sunday is the 8th. Does that work for you? No, that's actually my wife's birthday. Okay, okay how about so the 15th? The 15th, I actually should be good. All right. I'll be back by then and everything, yep. All right. August. Oh, 08. 15. 08. Dash, slash. 15. 2021. Inside Earth. By Paul <laughs> Anderson. There's a book called The Galaxy Reader of Science Fiction, and it's included in that. Yeah, it's Galaxy like is the magazine. So that. Fairly thick book. 566 pages. It's a book I didn't know existed. Galaxy wow, lots Rangers? of stories yeah. in it, man. All right. Um, what was the other one you were looking at, Paul? You Swordsman, Swordsman of Lost Terror. What's it say about it there? Um... Crowd carrier Brina felt like a ghost himself, shade of a madman, flitting hopelessly to the citadel of Earth's disinherited to recapture the resonant pipes of Killorn, weapon of the gods, before they bled forth the dirge of the world. That's it. So, like, going back. It sounds to like Earth, planned stories to me. <laughs> it does sound like. It sounds. Like, 
Oh, like my, um, doesn't say where it's originally from. So uh, if you click like through at the bottom, it says online text and on the page for it. So I'll just look here. The Golden Slave. Let's look at that one. Uh, um, Mark, no, that's a that's a novel, seven uh, seven and a half hours, and it is online text. Yep, yep. Swordsman of Lost Air is plant is is planet yeah, stories. Nineteen fifty one. Nice. All right. So, Golden Slave, a thundering novel of conquest and vengeance in, in the barbaric days of the first century BC. Yeah, that's definitely more historical fantasy. I don't even know if there's any science fiction in it. That's no problem. Now, I'm not, not, not saying that's a problem. Just just a just a point that there's the uh, it's, but. 100 BC, the Cimbrian hordes galloped across the dawn of history and clashed in the screaming battle against the mighty Roman legions, led by their chief, Boric, Bo, uh, Boy Eric. <laughs> and his son, Edelan, the hungry and homeless pagan tribes hurled back the Romans time after time in their desperate search for land. But for all the burning towns, the new-caught women weeping, the wine drunk, the gold lifted, the Cimbri did not find a home. You stopped. The whips and shave chains could not break the spirit of this fiery pagan giant who fought seduced and connived his way to a perilous freedom to rescue the woman he loved. Let's see. Lord of a Thousand Sons. Oh. Yeah. That that would be, um... Yeah. Great cover. Lord of a Thousand Sons? The, uh, the, I think this is probably on the PDF page. Let me just check. With the original... A man without a world, a one million year old Dariash, once lord of a thousand suns, now condemned to rove the spaceways in alien form, searching for love life for the great loss for a widow. Yeah, uh, here it is. 29 pages. Another planet, another planet stories. Yeah, there should be a few because they, they did a ton of planet stories and people are starting to do them. There's the original. Let's see how the art looks. Aha, it doesn't have a cover art. So that art is uh, incorrect. It doesn't make it bad, it just makes it not accurate to the story. Although that does look like Andre, uh, Andre, uh, not Andre, Alan Anderson. We talk about the cup, the blank stories cover? Yes. Well, Swordsman of Lost Terra, that's not a real yeah. cover, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the one that I just put up there? Yeah, that's not the original art, because if you look at the. Oh, okay. The, uh, I always put it up if it's the correct one. Um, but it's, it's. This is a publisher called, yeah, Armchair Fiction. Yeah, they do. Which I think is. Yeah. Fake ace doubles. And do they, they only okay. do public domain. Gotcha. But I've never seen one for sale, but I would probably buy them. Mm-hmm. I think they they're like on Amazon as well, but um, I just put two. It's it's great idea. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, that cover I think is for something else. I'm just trying to see if I'm wrong about that deluxe paperback edition. It makes it deluxe. <laughs> you can just put the word on it. Deluxe inside Earth. Lord of a Thousand Sons. A man without a world. This one million year old Daryesh. Uh, once Lord of a Thousand Sons, now condemned to rove the spaceways in alien form, searching yeah. for love, for life, for the lost 
Vrida. A great Paul Anderson story. <laughs> uh, huh? Could be. Oh, yeah. There's, so that Inside Earth cover is correct. Except, is it? Yeah. That's the cover so of the original. Also, okay. That's also a armchair fiction. Yeah. That's cool. the original uh, cover art for the... Um, oh, it's very low res there. Um, for the... Uh, Galaxy, which I may have put up already. Let's have a look. Lord of a Thousand Suns. Interior art must be some. Planet Stories usually puts it in. Oh, I see what you got. Yeah, here it is. So this is the Galaxy magazine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Notice they brightened it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Make it bright. See if I did it. Hoax in time, Keith Lomer. Interesting. Well, that that issue has the marching morons in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, really Terrible does story. It? Wow. Yeah. Already done a podcast on it. Very cool. Oh, yeah. And then there's one called Beetlejuice Bridge by William I read that. Tan. It's not great. And sadly. one called I, the Unspeakable by Walt Sheldon. I've not read that one. All right. It's called Inside... There it is, 45 pages. Copy link. Have a look at that. There's the Jesse-eyed version. (laughs) And I did not enhance it very much. Looks like slightly brighter than the one that's Mm. that's there. That's nice. Very nice. Any interior art? Yes, there is. Oh, that's the one that was used in the LibriVox. Oh, there's more, though. Look at that. Some alien-looking dude smacking a human. Mm-hmm. As one does. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Page 16 has more fighting. Oh, and then there's uh, some dude looking at a lady. Oh, she looks like an alien, yeah. So I add that one to the schedule, too, then? Uh, Inside Earth? We already did. Is oh, that the one we I did? Yeah, that's the one we did. Yeah. I just oh, was moving it because oh, it was okay. the wrong date. Yarg. Yarg. <laughs> so, oh, so, oh, yeah, so now we're getting into schedules. Oh, yeah, so I should, let me... Uh, I'm stopping the recording. Yes, please. Yeah. Thank you. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. All right, three hearts, three lines, done. Things are not good. We're we're dealing with underground dwarves who hate me because I'm a drow. So I'm not a good, I'm like, that's, I'm that's not. evil. Drows are evil, but there's no alignment, but they're evil. They're not, I am not, e- I am not evil. No, you are not evil. Your character is evil. My character is not evil. <laughs> My understanding is that drow are evil and people pronounce them drow or even evil. <laughs> Oh, here, here, here's Talos. How do you pronounce Drow?
that's good. You post it, and then um, if there's anything wrong with it, I say, well, I've learned a lot in the last seven months. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. Um, That was seven months ago. I don't know what you're talking about. That's right. (laughs) That was a different me. <laughs> I don't That's defend right. him. <laughs> I put yeah. I put this I put this podcast up to to show my flaws, how I've grown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the oh, problem is it. is the current me. You won't hear about him until seven months later. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right.